Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Good morning again. You guys, we have such an awesome church. We have awesome people. I love being here with you. Uh, Again, my name is Jason. For those of you that I haven't met or don't know me, uh, my wife and I are attending school in California, so we're here on a visit, and um, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 44. My mom says I don't look a day over 30, so I'm going with that. A couple weeks ago, Sarah had some ladies over to the house, and one of the gals was like 19 years old, just you know, young college girl, and she brought a friend who we'd never met. And so she's introducing her friend to us, and she says, this is Jason and Sarah Walker. They've been like grandparents to me. I was like, I wasn't ready for the G word, like, parents, okay, grandparents. Uh, I'm enjoying growing up. I, I like to think of it as I'm growing up, not growing old. How many know it doesn't matter how old you are, we can still grow in the Lord. I'm growing up, and I'm enjoying life. Today, we're continuing our series on freedom that we began a few weeks ago. The Lord created us to be free. He redeemed us to be free. And I'm not talking about being in a free country. I'm talking about free in our mind, free in our attitude, free in our heart, being able to represent God wherever we go on the earth When we got saved, if you're a believer today, you were free from sin, the power of sin. You were no longer bound to sin in any way the moment you were saved. But how many know when you got saved, there was a whole lot of trouble and drama that happened before that for most of us. And so we're learning to be free from the effects of sin. We're learning to be transformed in our mind and in our heart. Last week I talked about freedom in our heart. Our heart, Jesus compared our heart to like streams of living water, he says in John 7. The Lord has a river, not a literal river, but a river. It's just a picture of the move of God, the Spirit of God in our life. The Lord wants us to represent Him, and people experience God through our life. And so we talked about our hearts. And when our river or our heart is poisoned, we poison other people, and we damage things. And so we talked about offense, and not holding grudges and judgments and bitterness because we want our river to be pure and clean so that when people experience us, they experience God. Today we want to talk about being free in our mind. If the Spirit of God is like the river, it's the water, it's the life source, our minds are like the river banks. Our minds help bring direction and flow to the move of God in our life. If our minds are not renewed or changed, we may have the Holy Spirit, we may have the power of God, but instead of being a river that brings life, we're just a swamp. The water just goes everywhere. It's like we're just a big puddle. We don't make a difference. The Lord wants us to renew our mind, to change our mind, give us a new way of thinking so that we can partner with the Lord and release his kingdom here on earth. And so that's what we're talking about today. And so I want to read one of our passages, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you're, a, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Everything we do, the Holy Spirit sees. Have you ever thought of that? Everything I eat, everything I say, everything I watch, everything I touch. Present your bodies. That's not my sermon, but... Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes we think of commandments and we think of the Ten Commandments like don't murder, you know, don't lie. This is a command. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In another translation, it says, so that you may prove what the will of God is. This is a command we should be thinking about regularly. How, how is my transformation happening in my mind? The moment we're saved, our spirit is transformed, but the moment we're saved, our mind is not transformed. God is commanding us, he's calling us to have a renewed mind. That word transformation means metamorphosis. It's the same word that a caterpillar goes through when it becomes a butterfly. God wants to give us new minds, new thoughts, new belief systems, new ways of thinking that are completely different than the old way we've ever thought. Today, God has an upgrade for you in your thinking. The Lord told me, I'm, I'm giving out new minds. I'm giving out new mindsets today. Anybody need a new way of thinking today? God has it for you. It's the difference between Peter one day being rebuked by Jesus. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Your mind is not on the things of God. Fast forward a year later and Peter's walking past the crippled man who's begging. He wants money and Peter says, well, I got nothing in my pocket, but I got the Holy Spirit inside me. And he says, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. He had a new way of thinking. His mind was in alignment with what God was saying, and a miracle happened. How many want to see miracles happen in your family? God wants to give you new thoughts, new ways of seeing life that you've never seen before. We get saved when we believe in Jesus, but we get free when we learn to believe like Jesus. God wants us to learn to think like the Lord. Our problems are not usually our problem. Sometimes our biggest problem is what we believe about our problems. Our problem, we have a lot of problems in the world, right? COVID, huge problem. We got some, we got some serious moral issues in our country. Abortion and all kinds of things about gender and sexuality. And there's some big problems but the biggest problem isn't the problem. The biggest problem is, what is God? do we know what God thinks about the problem? <laughs> we need our thoughts to align with what God thinks. Some of you are, so I, I just had a picture of, some of you are over your problem. You see it, you have good perspective. Some of you are under your problem and your problem's crushing you. God wants to change our perspective of our problem. Sometimes people, it's easier to confront the devil and rebuke the devil about our problem than it is to confront our belief system about the problem. There is a time for rebuking the devil, but if you're rebuking the devil for the same thing every day over and over, the problem isn't that you're under attack. The problem is that you have a wrong belief system about what's happening. 
When, the, when you're rebuking the devil, it should lift. It should end. If it's not ending, there's something wrong in your thinking that God wants to set you free from. 85% of what we worry, university studies says, 85% of what we worry about never happens. And the other 15%, most of the things that happened weren't as bad as you thought they were going to be. And we figure out how to work through most of them. We just spend our time, so many people, just coming out of COVID. I mean, there's been devastation, right? I mean, anxiety and mental health and depression and kids under such pressure and having to do online school and disconnection from relationship and job loss and so many things. It's hard. And I'm not saying it's not hard. And I'm not saying to be in denial because you shouldn't be. It's to say, don't give your problem a place of influence in your life bigger than God. God wants to be the highest place. There's a difference between a giant opposing you on the outside and a giant opposing you on the inside. If you're a believer and you're walking with the Lord and you're obedient to what he says to do, you should expect opposition because you're claiming territory that's never been claimed. The the devil's not going to like that. The enemy is not going to like that. And people are not going to like that. So you will face opposition. And if you're not facing any opposition on the outside, you might be going in the wrong direction. You should expect opposition because God is advancing you. He's building your character. He wants to reward you for claiming territory. But many people, all of us at one time or another, are facing giants on the inside. What we believe about our opposition is the bigger problem. It's the 12 spies who went into the promised land. God says, this is your land, Israel. Go claim it. And there's giants in the land. And 10 of the spies come out and say, the giants are too big. We can't take it. And Joshua and Caleb come out and say, God is too big. We can't lose. What was the problem? The problem wasn't the giants. The problem was the belief about the giants. And the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and a whole generation died off because they couldn't believe because they had the wrong thought about God, about God's power, about their opposition. They needed a new thought. They needed an upgrade. And the enemy, if he can't take you out by keeping you, you know, in the world, he'll be okay if you just wander for 40 years. He would love to just find Christians who are purposeless, who who the river is a swamp. Friends, we want a renewed mind. We don't want just a little irrigation canal. We don't want just a Rio Grande. We, We want a Mississippi River. We want the banks of the river to be so wide. The supply is unlimited. God never runs out. But he needs our partnership to expand the banks of our mind, to expand the capacity of what he's able to give through our life. And many of us, all of us at one time or another, are just happy with just a little bit just a little bit. And God's saying, no, I want to renew your mind. I want to expand the riverbanks of your mind so that I can send more blessing, more provision, more goodness coming after the world in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good word. Come on. I'm preaching today, so get ready. The enemy, we have an enemy, and the focus of this message isn't the enemy. The Bible says we're in a war. Jesus was never devil-focused. He was always father-focused. 
Some Christians are looking around. What's the devil doing here? What's the devil doing there? Oh no, watch out. He's in the closet. Jesus was never worried about where the devil was. He was always looking, what is the father doing? He never lived in fear. We need to be aware there's an enemy because he's doing things to try to sidetrack us and to take us out. But it's not to be afraid or to be watching out for him. The primary way that the enemy attacks us is through our mind, through our thoughts. There's other ways, but that's the primary way. Hey, every one of us are with ourselves 24 hours a day, every day. <laughs> Have you ever wished you had a vacation from yourself? <laughs> I can't get away from this thought, please. In fact, we all do, right? And that's why we medicate and we, that's why there's addiction. That's why there's so many things because we're tormented. The enemy attacks our thoughts. Another study said that 80% of our self-talk is negative. And 95% of the 80% is repeated every day. So all those negative things, you're just thinking about them over and over and every day. And God wants to give you a new playlist. I don't care what generation you're from. If you're from the record player generation, the eight-track generation the tape cassette generation, the CD generation, or the streaming generation. God has a new playlist for you. He's ejecting the old way of thinking, the old mindset, and he's giving you a new mind. He's giving you new thoughts today. God has new thoughts. As a believer, your ceiling is not your IQ. Your ceiling is not your education. Your ceiling is not your, how you grew up in your home. Your ceiling is not your financial prospects. Your ceiling is the Lord. There is nothing impossible with God. In fact, you are not limited by your own intelligence. The Bible says you can have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, and I won't read the whole verse, but I put it in your notes. Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. We can have the thoughts of God. That means every problem you have, there's a divine solution. That means every problem you had, have, Jesus already thought of the answer before he ever even created you. Every problem was paid for by the cross. Everything. There is not one thing that is impossible with God. And we have the advantage. The enemy doesn't know God's thoughts, but we can. Those who know the Lord, we can know the thoughts of God. We can know what he's thinking. How? Through the Bible, through reading his word. For the rest of eternity, we will be reading the Bible. Did you know that? The word of God will last forever. We will die, but the word will never die. The word will last forever. We know the thoughts of God through the word, through prayer, through connecting with Holy Spirit every day. I heard this cool story. This uh, pastor, before he was a pastor, he was a business guy. And he owned an auto repair shop, and he also sold auto parts. And so he had lots of customers. He had car dealers and so forth where he would sell large volumes and these parts. And so he had this software system, $30,000 software system. And the system just wouldn't let him um, 
charge his customers based on the different agreements he had. You know, he would give one guy 20% discount because he bought a certain volume or a certain brand. Another guy, he'd give 15%, whatever they were. And he, his software only allowed him to do five different pricing strategies. And he had more than five different agreements. And so what ended up happening is they would overcharge their customer because they would have to manually input the price and the person doing it would forget, oh yeah, this person's 20%, this person's 10%. And so their customers were getting mad. And so this guy's like, God, what do I do? I don't have $30,000 to go buy a new software system. He's barely making it, barely paying the bills. And so he goes to the software company, he says, is there anything you can do? Can you program this thing to give me more than five options? And they said, no, sir, we can't. If we were to do that, we'd have to rewrite the whole system. So he's praying to God, God, what do I do? I need a divine solution. He goes to bed that night. God gives him a line of code in his dream. He dreams software code. He's not a software engineer. He wakes his wife up at three in the morning. Honey, I think God just gave me something. She's like, go back to sleep. Why are you waking me up? Gets her out of bed. They go to the shop. She's the computer tech. She logs in. She enters this, this line of code, and his software does exactly what he needs it to do. How does that happen? We get stuck looking for human solutions to human problems when we have a God who has divine solutions for human problems. God is releasing strategy over you today and over the church at large for huge problems. Homelessness, trafficking, environmental, you name it. There is not one problem that he doesn't have a divine solution for. Will we turn our thinking from our reasoning to God's? Will we challenge those thoughts that keep us down here and never receive what God has for us. And so how does this work? How does this happen? The enemy, he has different tactics. He has different ways that he attacks our thoughts. And that's what I want to talk about now. And we're going to go to our next passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. What does that mean? We're not fighting with fear. We're not partnering with anger and control and bitterness and unbelief. No, our weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is how we're renewing our mind. We're taking thoughts captive. This is the renewed mind. Every day, it's a discipline. It's not a zap, boom, your mind is healed. It's a discipline. God is wanting to teach you. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is uh, a safe place. Think of like a castle in the olden days. What would a castle represent? It would represent a, a place where a royal family would live, right? The king would reside there. It would be for he and his family. It would be safety. It would be um, a place where they would strategize for their kingdom. It would be a place where they governed and ruled. 
Did you know that God designed your mind to be a safe place? To be a peaceful place? To be a place where you strategize with the Lord on what he wants to do today? That's God's desire. God's desire is that he is your stronghold, that he is your safe place. But the enemy comes and he brings all these attacks against our mind. And we start believing these thoughts that create a safe place for the enemy to operate. The enemy has power, but the enemy does not have authority. Who's the enemy? The enemy is the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever name you want to use for him. He's the enemy. He has power, but he doesn't have authority. What do I mean by that? If you have a concealed carry license and you have a gun, you have power, right? You could use that weapon. You have power. But if a police officer walks through those doors and he's in his uniform and he has a badge, he has power and he has authority. He is authorized by the city of Las Cruces and we would all recognize his authority that if anything bad were to happen in here, he could act on our behalf to solve that problem. The Bible says that you have been given power and authority over the works of the enemy. Acts 1.8 says the Holy Spirit will come and you will be filled with power. Some of you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to fill you with his power today. Luke 10 verse 19 says, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. You have been deputized by the Lord to represent him on the earth. The enemy has no power over you. He has no authority over you unless you give it to him. And that's the challenge for the believer. The only way the enemy has authority, and it's a counterfeit authority, is when we agree with him. He gets authority through the agreement of people, and that's it. Why does the world look like it does today? Because a lot of people are agreeing with the devil. If a lot of people were agreeing with God, the world would look a lot different. So how does it work? The enemy puts a thought in your head. It could look like this. You're a loser. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. That thought becomes a pattern or a way of thinking. If we don't deal with it, it moves from our conscious to our subconscious. And it, and it just begins, we just operate on that thought. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never amount to anything. And every conversation and every interaction is tainted, is affected by that belief, by that lie. Some of you, when you were five years old, three years old, your dad told you, I wish you were never born. You'll never mount anything. As a five-year-old, how do you even process that? You don't know that's a lie because your dad's supposed to protect you and tell you the truth. Some of you, these lies go way, 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 way back. And if that was you, I'm so sorry that happened. That does not represent God's heart for you. There are things in your heart and your mind that are so deep that you don't even know they're there. And they become a safe place, a stronghold for the enemy to operate. Some of you don't know who you are 
and some of you don't know whose you are, one of the best things you could ever do is to learn your identity. Who does Jesus say I am? Not who did my parents say I am, my friends, my siblings. Who does God say I am? And whose am I? And who is God? Those are the two biggest areas that are under attack for every person. Your identity and God. Who is God? So the enemy will use these different ways to get us to agree. One way is through temptation, through sin. He'll try to convince you that your temptation is your identity, and it's not. If, if my identity was my temptation, right now I would be a large strawberry caliche. Because <laughs> that's what I want. I want a caliche. I'm not my temptation. You're not your temptation. Just because you have a temptation doesn't mean that's who you are. Jesus was tempted in every way, but he was without sin. Every time you have a thought of, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lust after that person, you don't have to give in. You can say no. Every time you have the urge to return to that addiction, you're not that addiction. You can say no. You're not defined by that past thing. You're not defined by that addiction. You're not defined by that temptation. The enemy wants our agreement through temptation, but he doesn't have any authority. He doesn't have a right. We can say no. He comes and he'll give us, uh, Rod, if we could put that verse back up, I think it's five. It says, we demolish arguments. What are arguments? Another version says speculations. These are, these are thoughts like this. Eve in the garden. Did God really say you shouldn't eat that fruit? Speculations are, um, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Or speculations are, is the Bible 100% the truth or is there any error in there? The uh, uh, speculation is, does God really care about who I have sex with and I only, should only have sex in marriage? Uh, a speculation is, is God's word really more true than my feelings and my emotions? These are all thoughts that we have. There's all, the enemy is putting speculation in your head. Arguments, another word for, uh, yeah, for, we get to pretension. What's a pretension? It's like a lofty thing. These are the thoughts that are like, um, you know, you start worrying. Hey, I, I don't know if I can pay the rent this month. Hey, I don't know how to pay that medical bill or hey, I'm really sick, and we begin to worry. And it's not that you're denying the problem. It's not that the problem doesn't exist, but it's that you have greater faith in the problem than you do the one who can solve the problem. A lofty thing is making a molehill into a mountain. It's seeing your problem as bigger than God. And the enemy is always trying to do that in the area of our provision. There is no lack in God. And yet, when our circumstances look like lack, the enemy wants us to elevate that lack above God's provision. The enemy will bring thoughts, and if he can get our agreement with these thoughts, and he can get us to have a pattern of thought that goes into our subconscious, these turn into belief systems. They're like habits. They're belief systems that actually create the reality that we experience in our world. And this is so powerful. And some of you today, you will receive a miracle 
and some of you won't receive a miracle. Why? It's not because God doesn't want to give some a miracle and others not. It's because some of you will ask for a miracle because you believe God can do a miracle, and so you put yourself in a position to receive the miracle. And others of you, you don't believe God can do a miracle, so you won't ask for a miracle, so then you'll never receive a miracle. Your belief system creates the reality you experience. And we all know people of, uh, in all different situations, and you just see it all the time. Why do some people stay and continue and get in abusive relationships over and over? Is it because there's not any good people that don't abuse? No. It's because they've never had a thought that said they didn't deserve anything better. It just repeats over and over. And these cycles in families just repeat addiction, all kinds of things, because God needs to give you a new thought, a new belief system that breaks the power of that bondage. In the Bible, it's, it's why, for example, Dave, the, the Israelites, when they saw Goliath, they said, he's too big, we got to hide. And David said, God's too big, I got to fight. It's just a difference in the way you see life. It's a different belief system. Is the enemy bigger or is God bigger? Is your lack bigger or is the provider bigger? Is your hurt bigger or is the healer bigger? It's all in how you see and partner with Holy Spirit. It's all who you want to agree with that makes all the difference. It's why Je uh, Samuel can go to Jesse's house and say, God has someone in your family to anoint as the king. Bring all your sons and Jesse leaves Samuel out in the field as a shepherd. He leaves David. I don't know what name I said. He leaves David in the field. Why? He sees David as a shepherd, not as a king. God saw David as a king. How many of you have children in your home and you see them as a nuisance or a burden or a problem? You could have a king or a queen living in your house. Do you see it? Do you see your kids the way God sees your kids? Do you see your spouse the way God sees them? God is upgrading our minds. He's upgrading our perspective. He's upgrading our thoughts. This is just one personal story. Uh, a couple months ago, I was in Boise, Idaho, and I was on a ministry trip, and we were, I was with some other students. And uh, on a Friday night, this church was having a healing service. And so uh, as students, we were going to be praying for people who need healing. And so before the trip, I had just been praying to the Lord, God, who do you, you know, what, what things do you want to heal? And I was just imagining with the Lord. And I was imagining with the Lord that, uh, that someone in a wheelchair would get out of a wheelchair. And so I was praying that God would heal someone that was crippled. And by the time I got to, the, to Boise and it was the night of the, the service, I'd forgotten that I had been praying that. And the Lord brought it to my mind. To my mind. He said, hey, what about the, the guy in the wheelchair? And all these thoughts started going through my mind. Well, who are you? Like, you just want to be noticed by people. You just want everyone to think that you're so anointed and that God will use you and not someone else. And, and who are you? Like, don't you remember how you used to be? You're, God shouldn't use someone like you. Why would you want to one-up all these other leaders? You're just a student. And I'm just going through this mental exercise debate in my head. Anybody been there? Come on. 
I'm going through this thing and I hear the Lord tell me, someone's got to ask big and it might as well be you. And I just released that word over you. Someone's got to ask big for Las Cruces. Someone's got to ask big for your family. Someone's got to ask big for all the problems in this city. It might as well be you. Someone's got to ask big for your mental health. Someone's got to ask big for the financial provision you need. It might as well be you. And so I get on the stage, and I don't have the courage to just say that in my own strength, so I quote the scripture. And Jesus in Matthew 10, he says, Go tell John what you see, the deaf hear and the lame walk. And I believe the Lord today in this service wants to heal someone that can't walk. And I said that. <laughs> Talk about putting me on the, putting God on the spotlight, me in the spotlight. There was two people in there that, had, that were in wheelchairs. And one guy, I prayed for both of them. One guy was almost in a, like a vegetable state. He couldn't speak. He had no use of his limbs. He had a traumatic brain injury 20 years previous. And so I pray my best prayer for this man. And guess what happened? He didn't get out of the wheelchair. But guess what else happened? God was changing me. God was giving me faith to pray for more people in wheelchairs. I'd never prayed for anyone in a wheelchair before until that day. Somebody's got a bit ass big and it might as well be you. I went home. My friend who I've known 30 years, he lives in Reading now and he's in a wheelchair. He hasn't walked, I don't know, 40 years, Sue, something like that. I've never prayed for him out loud. I said, David, I just want to pray. I want to believe that God is going to heal you, that you are going to walk. And we prayed, and he hasn't gotten out of the wheelchair yet. The next time we went over, Paul, my son, my 10-year-old, he prayed with me. What's God doing? I may not be seeing the miracle right now, but he is creating a capacity for greater faith in my life. He's taking the lids off my mind. There's nothing impossible. Nothing. Nothing. He's breaking off a mindset of lack, a mindset of I can't do something because he can do it through me. In Jesus' name. God has an upgrade for you. He has an upgrade for you today in your thinking, in your belief systems. He has an upgrade. How do we receive it? How do we receive our upgrade? Number one, repent. Repent for wrong thinking. Rod, could we show that verse again? Verse five. It says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When these thought comes, th these thoughts come, we grab it. We say, no, mind, you are not my leader today. Holy Spirit is my leader. I am taking every thought captive. What does repent mean? Repent means change the way you think. Take that thought and give it to God. Say, Lord, I'm not joining with that. I repent. I'm changing my thinking. Some of you, you are in such a pattern of bad thinking that you don't even recognize bad thoughts. And so you say, well, what do I do 
Pastor Jason, I don't even, I don't know what to repent of because I've thought this way my whole life. Well, here's something real practical. Imagine your heart having like a, a gauge, like a, on your car where you're looking at your speedometer, but on your heart is a hope gauge. And you're looking at your hope meter. Where are you feeling hopeless today? Are you feeling hopeless in your finances, your marriage, your children? Wherever you're feeling hopeless, there is a lie underneath there that needs to be exposed. There's a way of thinking that is not in alignment with God's thought. Because God has hope for you today. I love this quote. Steve Backlund says this. He says, increasing hope is evidence that our minds are being renewed with truth and not lies. If your hope meter is tanking, if it's on E... That means your mind in that area of your life is not being renewed. That means your mind is thinking a thought that is false, that is from the demonic realm. Romans 12, no, sorry, Romans 15, it's in your notes. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want you to notice that. It says, now, now, wake up. It's now. It's not when COVID is over. It's not when you get the promotion. It's not when that, perf that scenario works out just perfect. Now, the God of hope. He has hope for you today. He has peace for you today. He has hope right now. If we will surrender our thinking our thoughts to him. He will release hope into your spirit in the name of Jesus. When we repent, we change our thinking, and then we replace our thoughts with God's thoughts. This Every self-help book will tell you, replace bad thoughts with good thoughts. But this is different. We're not just replacing it with some nice thought. We're replacing our thoughts with the truth. We're replacing our thoughts with what God thinks. You know, I met a 12-year-old girl, and she's talking about crystals and energy, and I just love the energy because I feel this. And, hey, God created crystals. It's great. But the Holy Spirit is better than the crystals. We're not just replacing our thoughts with kitty cats and puppy dogs, okay? We're replacing our thoughts with the truth of the Word of God. Kingdom thoughts bring kingdom revelation, we need new revelation, fresh revelation for what God is doing on the earth. Some of you are so used to bad thinking that when you have a good thought, you reject it because you feel guilty that you're having a good thought. And God wants to flip that around, that you have so many good thoughts that when you have a bad one, you notice it right away as the counterfeit and you reject it. God is upgrading your thinking. He's giving you new thoughts. What are the thoughts? Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. God is going to give you new thoughts. It's found in his word. You can find great thoughts in creation. Yes, God is upgrading your thinking. Receive your upgrade. What if today, instead of worrying about all the bad things that could happen, 
What if you started worrying about all the good things that could happen? What if you started imagining going to Walmart and Holy Spirit breaks out on aisle five and people start crying and saying, I need Jesus. Are you ready to tell them how to meet the Lord? What if you start imagining that? Wow, that would change your thinking. Oh, I need to know how to share my testimony. I need to know how to lead someone to Christ. That would change your thinking, right? What if you started imagining my kids? No, they're not going to be disrespectful. They're going to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that they're leading the next revival in Las Cruces. Are they ready to lead the revival? You see, that changes your thinking, right? Now you start preparing differently. Start imagining, what if my bank account was so full that I couldn't afford to just give 10% anymore? I had to give 20% or 30% or 50% because God is just blessing me so much, I got to release it. What if you started imagining that? What if you started imagining that you and your spouse, you were going to be a power couple because God wants the one flesh to move in power together? And instead of thinking the other thought, you're preparing your marriage to be a power team. God is giving upgrades in our thinking. You have permission to think the thoughts of God. What are the thoughts of God? What does God want on the earth? Remember, Jesus said, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What does God want on earth? He wants relationships restored. He wants no lack he doesn't say you'll be rich, but he says you should have your needs met. He wants to see the world healed and restored. Every prayer that you pray that way, God loves. It's his heart. God has an upgrade. I love what Wendy Backlund says. She says, you know what you really believe by what you prepare for. You know what you really believe by what you prepare for. What are you preparing for today? What are you preparing for? Are you preparing for God to do something miraculous in your family, in your life? Are you preparing for doom and gloom? What are you preparing for? If it's not good, God has an upgrade for you. And I close with this story. Angel, our sister who sits here in the 930 service, this year, COVID, I mean, everyone, right? Affected by COVID. She goes into this depression. She didn't even call it that because she'd never been depressed before. And she, she has, has no willpower, has no grace for her husband, her kids, doesn't want to talk to any of her friends. All this negative self-talk, you know, you're worthless, you're no good. Um, all these negative feelings about other people, just in a terrible place, terrible, for three months. She's crying. She, she doesn't come to church. She, she just doesn't know what to do. And one Sunday morning, she's crying out to God on her bed. And Mike, her husband, is behind her, and he's holding her as a good husband would do, holding her, praying for her. She's weeping for the Lord. Lord, I need a new mind. I need a new way of thinking. She falls asleep, and a few hours later, she wakes up, and it's completely gone. Completely gone. That oppression... That depression, it was gone. God gave her a new mind. And God has new minds to hand out today. It's his desire for you to have a new mind, to have the mind of Christ, to have an upgrade in the way you think. I'm gonna invite you to stand, the worship team to come. Some of you today, you've been in such bondage. 
in your mind, but you don't even know the Lord. Like the sin in your life is still in control because you haven't surrendered your heart. Some of you just need to give your life to the Lord. You need to make your life right with him so that you can have the mind of Christ. If you're here today and you just say, man, I have, I've been the leader and I don't want to be the leader anymore. I want Jesus to be the leader. I want to have his Holy Spirit inside of me so that I can overcome the world. And if that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. Just say, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. See your hands. I see your hands. We're all going to pray. And you can just repeat this out loud after me, okay? You just say, dear Jesus, I need you. I need salvation. I need forgiveness. I repent for my way of thinking and my way of living. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. Lead me, Lord. Thank you for coming in my life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to pray for you. You, you are a new creation. God wants to show you what that means because that's a big deal, what just happened. It's a big deal. All the angels in heaven are celebrating right now. For all of us here, I would think every person in here would say, I need an upgrade. I need an upgrade in my thinking. I've had stinking thinking for long enough. I'm done with it. I'm done with the crap and all the thoughts that have kept me in bondage. Some of you for your whole life. And God is rooting out lies. Addiction will bow. It's rooted in a lie that that's as good as it gets. And that's a lie. It's as good as it gets as Jesus Christ and his presence and his power. The deliverer is here to deliver you from that way of thinking. So right now, if you want to respond, just put your hands on your head. And just, just as a symbolic act, just say, I'm handing this way of thinking. Just take it off like a hat. Just say, here you go, God. I repent for that thinking. I repent for that mindset. I repent for all these lies that I've believed. If God's showing you a lie, give it to him now. I repent for that lie that I'm not good enough. I repent for that lie that God's not good enough. I break agreement with that lie in Jesus' name. Get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my emotions. Get out of my future in Jesus' name. And now right now, just put on a new mind. Just say, Jesus, I receive this new way of thinking. I receive a renewal of my mind. I receive your truth and your thoughts about my life and about my future. And from this day forward, I will walk with the mind of Christ. Some of you today, I just want to bless you with hope. Your hope tank is empty. God is filling you with hope. He's filling you with hope now, now, now receive hope in the name of Jesus. Receive it. We receive your hope in Jesus' name. Some of you just need to take a step of faith and you need to come forward and just give it to God. Just, just as an act of faith, Lord, Lord, here is my thoughts. Here is my life. 
I give it to you. I'm receiving an upgrade today in Jesus' name. We're gonna dismiss. I just bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you to receive the thoughts of the Lord this week, to release the thoughts of God over your family in Jesus' name. Please come forward. We wanna pray for you. Don't leave this moment. The Holy Spirit is here. Don't leave this moment. If you want, stay. Misa's gonna sing that song, Breakthrough Over Us. You can stay. Otherwise, you were dismissed. God bless you guys. Have the best week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.